Dr. Craig Turnbull is going to be coming and preaching the word this morning. Uh, we have been in a, a several month long process of looking for a teaching pastor who will oversee our discipleship ministries for our church. One of the core aspects of our church is life group ministry. It makes up the backbone of the ministry of this church. Life groups really are what makes us or breaks us here at Bannockburn. And that's why we're so adamant about making sure that you're in a life group. Um, because if you're not in a life group, you're, you're somewhat not totally with us. Because um, life groups are where it is at Bannockburn. We're not a church that has life groups. We are a church of life groups. We say that all the time. Um, and so life group ministry is very important to us. And we wanted to look for someone that could give total focus to excellent life group ministry on all three of our campuses, three campuses now, um, and give focus to that, but also build the discipleship component of our church at a, at a greater level and give structure to that, but also not only that, but to also join the teaching team. And so even on this campus, you'll have um, Craig as, my, as myself and Pastor Casey all um, on a rotation and preaching and contributing to the preaching ministry of Bannockburn. Um, so this is the role that we've been looking for, and I'll just tell you, personnel ministry team voted unanimously, the executive team, Pastor Casey, myself, Rob, um, all of us went through the process of interviewing all the candid candidates that were presented from our Vanderblumen uh, search firm that brought them to us, and, and I just want to say this morning that it was an overwhelming slam dunk, not even a question, uh, for all of us. Uh, when it come to who it what come, came to who the Lord was leading us to, um, and that was Dr. Craig uh, Turnbull. And uh, the, the, Amen. Thank you. And it's not just because of his incredible experience that he's had for many many years in the ministry, uh, his education and uh, incredible education, and all the things that he brings to the table. And by the way, let me mention that briefly. Um, he has. Received um, his bachelor's for, in 1998 from Moody Bible Institute up in Chicago. He's going to tell you a little bit about that here in just a second. He has his master's of divinity from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in 2007. And then just recently, he has a doctorate from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in 2021. And um, I wanted to find on here, it has an emphasis in his doctorate. He had an emphasis, a concentration uh, the lay teaching ministry within the church. So he took on um, to build a lay education ministry within a church, and he's been doing that at the church that he's in in Toronto, in Toronto, Canada. So they're coming, his beautiful family. We brought them all the way down from Toronto, Canada, and they are, are loving it. And he's going to talk a little bit about uh, the difference between the two right now. They are very grateful to be in Texas. Um, but he is going to come, and he is going to, to preach the word. And then tonight... We're at 5 o'clock right here in this room. We're going to have our official vote. Any pastor candidate that's presented to the church at Bannockburn, we all, we don't want just, just, just the pastoral staff and the personnel ministry team to ask them and call them to come and be a pastor on our team. We want the whole church to do that. And so us as a church, we come together and we make this a church-wide vote for any pastor candidate. And so we're going to be doing that tonight at 5 o'clock right here in this room. Um, shouldn't last too long, but please join us. I don't know when the Cowboys play, but you can record it, right? You can record it. This is important. Um, and so please come back and be here at 5 o'clock. But he's going to come and share the word this morning, and uh, I'm just going to open us in prayer. So if you would, just bow with me. 
Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for this wonderful worship team who led us in song and praise, and we lifted our hearts and our song to you, and it was really wonderful to be a part of. And we sense you um, being pleased with our heartfelt worship. Um, Lord, you are our focus right now. We devote this time to you. We set it aside from the common times, and this time is yours. We sit with our Bible in our laps, with our mind on you. And Lord, we, we remove distractions that might be happening in our life outside the walls of this place. But Lord, this is your place. It is a sanctuary to our God and for our own soul. And so right now we worship you and we worship by hearing you. And we know when we open your word, it is you who are speaking through it to us. And so Lord, we listen and uh, Lord, we pray for your blessing to be upon this time. We thank you for the incredible direction and guidance you have given us all the way to this point. Even Craig and Catherine and their family on their side of things and for us on our side of things, uh, it's been clearly evident that you, your hand has been upon it. And so I pray today, um, even for, for Craig, I pray for your hand to be upon him as he preaches your word. Bless his time and do a great work in our midst, and we'll give you the praise and the glory for all of it. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Will you join me in welcoming Dr. Craig Turnbull? Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Am I center? I need to be center. There we go. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the introduction, Keith. Thank you so much. I don't, I don't really think that my mom could have bragged more about me than that. So appreciate that, brother. Um, I'll also tell you right away that uh, nobody that I know calls me doctor, except for my kids. When I forget my keys in the house, they come back and I sarcastically chirp at me. So uh, super, super delighted to be here today. On behalf of my whole family, uh, my wife, Catherine, down here in the front row, and then our daughters, Serena and Maria, and then my little boy, Abraham. Uh, we're super thankful to be here on behalf of our whole family. Thank you for hosting us. Uh, it's been a lot of fun for us to visit. We just got started in the visit. I hope to uh, maybe even get an opportunity to share the story of God's grace in my life to bring me to this place right now here in Texas. Uh, nothing short of, I think, miraculous. Uh, I was in a church in Canada for 15 years. And uh, 15 years thought that was where God wanted me. But then to be surprised by the call and the grace of God to find myself here in this place today, uh, it's overwhelming and it's humbling. Uh, where uh, my, my, my initial impressions, okay, can I give you my initial impressions of Texas? Uh, it's warm. Uh, and I, I don't just say that because back home it's right around freezing right now, but I say that because my goodness, uh, the people, and specifically the people of God, have been incredible. Uh, coming up, patting us on the back like you've known me for years, uh, welcoming us. You don't even know I'm preaching today, and you pat me and welcome me. <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I think I've said thank you enough, but we'll, 
we'll move into what my job is for today. I've been given and entrusted with the responsibility of taking us through God's Word. Uh, so if you have a copy of God's Word or Bible or phone on your phone, you want to pull it out, uh, please join me in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 is going to be our text today. Key told me to go wherever I wanted to go, so I picked my favorite passage in the Bible. At one of, at least, because in six short verses, in six verses, you're going to hear the heartbeat of my life. Uh, the most important things about me are contained in this passage. And as I want to introduce myself to you, I thought I'd go here. Uh, maybe if I was to ask you, though, hey, can you, in six sentences, put down what's the most important thing for you and be satisfied with what you wrote? In six short sentences, uh, you might have a little bit of trouble with that. But that's what Paul's going to do right in front of us today. And maybe as I read this, and maybe as we look at God's word, you're going to find your heart resonating, beating along with what this guy's saying. 1 Timothy is a practical letter written by an apostle behind prison bars facing the end of his life to his young protege. It's also an urgent letter. And understandably, because of the friendship, it's a really personal letter. And the passage we're going to read right now is very personal in nature. It's one of these. Here's how he begins, verse 12. It says this, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Let me just push pause there right in the middle of our passage and let me pray as we go into God's word. Heavenly Father, there sits in front of us your word, preserved for thousands of years. And even God with us in mind, right here, right now, in Austin. So that we would read these words and listen to your voice. What is it you want to say to me today from your word? What is there in my life that needs to be looked at? What is there in my life that needs to be encouraged? Where and what do you want to say to me right now? We thank you for your word, Lord. It's an anchor of truth in the sea of lies in which we surround ourselves with. We thank you that you have given to us everything we need for life and godliness. So now we pray, Lord, that as you have inspired your word, you would also now illumine it. Like you would shine a light behind the pages and open up our hearts to see and to understand and to believe. That an affection for you would grow. That love for you would grow. That worship for you would grow. We pray, Lord, now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the book of Acts is going to tell us a little bit about the guy who wrote this book, Paul. Uh, we can piece it together from the times he tells his story, and we can also get some info from the letters that he writes. But what you get when you understand his storyline is this is a picture of radical transformation. Paul is the poster child for very, very different before and after photos. When Jesus comes in his life, Jesus changes him drastically. And what we're going to get in the first three verses, verses 12 through 14, is a little snippet 
of Paul's story. But from elsewhere, we know that he's a zealous man before Christ. He took his job very seriously. He was a devout Pharisee. He had probably, because he's a Pharisee, memorized a huge portion of the Old Testament. He'd studied under some of the best teachers available at the time. And the guy was a Roman citizen, the highest echelon. So when this Jesus stuff starts to come into Jerusalem and starts to infect it, Paul steps up and makes it his personal mission to stop it. Now in Acts 7, we can read about the murder of Stephen. And when the murder of Stephen is happening, as they're throwing stones at Stephen, they're also cheering Paul on. Quite arguably, Paul is the most popular person in Jerusalem since they crucified that guy, Jesus. Then something happens. Acts chapter 9, literally on the way to do more damage, more threatening, more murdering, on the road to a city in north of Jerusalem, Saul, that was his old name, is struck blind. In a moment, all the plans that he had, all the ambitions he had, all that he was living for, all that he thought was really important, all of it was changed in a moment. Here he was, 1 Timothy 13, as he describes himself, a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But on that day, the Lord speaks to him. He meets Jesus. And for the first time in Paul's life, he sees. Here in 1 Timothy, he says it this way, verse 13. I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflows for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Mercy, grace, faith, and love, all given to Paul. He didn't deserve it. Now listen, I'm no Paul. I'm no zealot. I'm not anybody special. I've got a pretty simple life, actually. But when I read Paul's story, it reminds me of my own, even just a little bit. See, I'm from Toronto, Ontario, and my dad's a retired police officer, and my mom uh, was a nursing home manager for many years. We lived in the Burbs. That's where I grew up. My mom came to Christ through her parents. She grew up on a farm a ranch, as you say. She grew up in Quebec. She's an English speaker, but grew up in Quebec. My dad is also that. Uh, Grew up uh, and didn't have Christ, but came to Christ through her and through pastors around him, sharing him the simple faith of Jesus. See, I grew up in a home that loved Jesus. Every Sunday we were at Calvary Baptist Church worshiping, and I'm going to be forever grateful for the examples of faith that they are to me today. At eight years old, in a youth program, my dad shares the gospel, the simple gospel, in a group of boys. He shares his story. His his story is anything but simple. I remember him crying when he shares about Jesus. I gave my life to the Lord that night, eight years old. Now, my childhood is pretty cushy. I grew up in the burbs. Uh, uh, lots of love, 
But then at 17, I start thinking I'm pretty hot stuff. Now that's hard to imagine, right? A 17-year-old boy thinking he's hot stuff. But try and picture it with me. And then for the next couple of years, I start wandering about. I'm going to parties. I'm getting awards for playing basketball. And by the way, when I say that, you got to put an asterisk next to that, okay? Because that's basketball in Canada. All right? I've seen how you play. Whoa. That's something else. Uh, in short, what I'm doing is living out my sin nature with a driver's license. But I always had good grades. So I could always hide what I was doing. But you can't hide from the Lord, can you? There's conviction during this season of my life. The Lord had never forsaken me. Me who had trusted in him at eight years old and walked away at 17. But his Holy Spirit working in my life, bringing about conviction, keep on speaking to my heart. Even when I'm blaspheming, he was whispering to me, conviction. Even when I'm opposing him, he's kind to me, conviction. Even when I'm making mistakes, he's merciful, conviction. And eventually the kindness and the mercy and the love of the Lord broke out into my life. And my heavenly father came running to me as I was dragging myself up the road. He wrapped his arms around me, forgave me. I'll say it like Paul does, even though I'm no Paul. I received mercy because I had acted in ignorance and unbelief. But the grace of God overflowed to me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. I got the grace. I got the mercy. I got the faith. I got the love too. Just like Paul did. Now fast forward a little bit. I go to the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. It's there that I'm introduced for the very first time to serious brothers in the Lord who are serious about following Christ. That transformed my perspective. It's there that the first time I'm seriously studying God's word and seeing how amazing and incredible it is. It's there that I'm first introduced to ministry and it's also there that wonderfully, here's the bonus, I also meet my wife Catherine. Now it takes many, many years after that of maturing and getting me ready, but eventually the Lord leads me into pastoral ministry. I'm no Paul, but I'm going to say it like him. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus my Lord, because he has judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. Church, can I be honest with you? You say, well, I hope your church and your preaching, you should be honest. I can't believe that I get to do what I get to do. And I don't just mean here right now in Texas, although this is a blessing. But to just have the ministry of the word of God, to lead people into the truth of God. And every time to stand up and talk about the love of Jesus Christ. I can't believe it. I can't believe that the mouth that was once so foul and the heart that was once so broken can talk about the grace and the love and the mercy and the faith that's found in Jesus Christ. And I could do this because I know it's real. I believe it. I felt it. I've been awash in the grace of God. You ever do that? You know, do what I just did? Where you sit back on the porch in your brain and you think about what God has done for you. And you put yourself in Paul's story. 
and you start thinking about your own road to Damascus, about how God struck you and changed you in that moment. I like art. I can't do it, but I like it. I like how people have pictured Bible stories throughout time. So I was looking up, uh, how did this look for, for, for some artist, this, this calling of Paul, this, this blinding of Paul. Here's, here's a picture by uh, Luca Giordano uh, on the screen there for you. Yeah, look at that. Lightning bolt. Oil. Canvas. Awesome. Way to go, Luca. Here's another one. This one's from supercoloringpages.com. I like his face. Ah. You got a moment like that? Maybe not so drastic. Maybe not falling off a horse kind of drastic. Maybe not going blind kind of drastic. But maybe in a moment, your life changed. You stopped moving in one direction, stopped pursuing the things that everybody told you you should pursue, and you started following Jesus. You stopped chasing after the stuff of the world and the things that could never satisfy and never quench, and you started loving Jesus who overflows. And everything you thought you knew changed in a moment. You got a moment like that? You ever put yourself in Paul's place? Well, here's the thing. See, I think Paul wants you to do that. I think Paul wants you to put yourself in his place. Look at the text, moving on. It's verse 15. He said this. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. This is a trusty saying. Who talks like that? Who speaks like that? Hey, hey this is a trusty thing you should listen to. Well, I'll tell you right away. Preachers do. They say, hey, listen, you got to write this down, church. This is important. You got a pen? You want to underline that in your Bible. You want to turn to your neighbor and tell him this. Remember this, church. They say stuff like that all the time, don't we? But you know who else says that? Truisms? Truth? Here's truth. You do. Yeah, you got stuff like that too. Hey, this is true. It's like I always say. Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. It's like I always say. Money doesn't buy happiness. Like I always say, generally speaking, Canadians aren't really good at basketball. Like I always say, see what Paul's doing here? He loads us with his story, his story, and then he shifts to this trusty saying. But listen, with this one right here that we're about to read, it's the mother of all trusty sayings. It's a megaton trusty saying. This is something that everyone, every believer ever ought to write this down. What's Paul saying? We're on the edge of our seat. What was it? Verse 15. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me is the foremost. Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Now that's a saying. You want to write your bio in six sentences? Can I suggest you take those two? Jesus came to save sinners. Men and women broken and lost in their sin. Lost and alienated from God. The God who has loved them forever. But God, in his overwhelming love, not willing that they should perish, sent his son, his only son, into the world. 
Not to coach them to be a better person. Not to tell them how to live wisely. Not to tell them that they should just believe in themselves and try harder. No, he came to save them. He came to die for us because we were dying. We had cut ourselves off from the living God, the source of all life. We turned away. There was nobody who was righteous. There's not even one. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he did. He saved by giving his life in the place of mine. He died so that I could live. He was rejected so I could be adopted. He was punished so I could have favor. He was crowned with a crown of thorns so I could have a crown of life. And my sin and my shame and my death was paid for on the cross. And now by faith in his work, I can have life in him. I'll say it like Paul. We get mercy. That in us, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Now, two times you might have noticed he used that word foremost. That just means first. Just means first. He's first in line, says Paul. First in line to recognize that he needs forgiveness and first in line to find it. First in line that he admitting he needs help. First in line to get it. First in line as a sinner, first in line to find the Savior. Let me summarize what Paul's saying. He's saying this, I, Paul, got mercy. And when Jesus gave me mercy, he put a billboard up and showed the whole world that if this guy, Paul, can get mercy, then anybody, anybody can have life in Jesus. If Jesus can save me, Paul, he can save anyone. But hold on a second here, because this is a trusty saying. This is a saying he wants us to pick up. This is a saying he wants us to use about our own lives. If Jesus Christ can save me, cred, he can save anyone. If Jesus Christ can save you, he can save anyone. Do you get it? Even now? Even now, your heart stirring, affection rising for Jesus, sensing the desire to worship. Look at verse 17. That's what Paul does right away to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now that is so good. That's like smelling chocolate chip cookies. Let me read that again. To the king of ages, immortal visible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What's Paul done there? What, what are we looking at, church? That's doxology. That's praise with his life. See, Paul moved us from his story to our story, and now all of that being ultimately to God's great glory. God gets glory from a lot of things. That's the way it's supposed to be. God gets glory from the Colorado River. God gets glory from the hill country. God gets glory from the green belt. Am I doing okay with the cultural references? It's okay. You're okay. Yeah, okay. God gets glory from fall leaves. God gets glory from green grass, birds singing, and can I testify, even snow. All creation is meant to give God his glory. And definitely us. And definitely us when we declare that our God, the immortal, invisible, sovereign God over all, the King of ages, this God has forgiven even me. 
This God so great, so powerful, so forgiving would even consider me. God in his glory, listen, God in his glory is first and foremost in our hearts. It's in Paul's hearts, should be in our hearts. For Paul, this had defined his life. This is the most important thing about him. And as I come and introduce myself to you today, show you from God's word, this is the most important thing about me too. But I have so many flaws. I got so many struggles. And as you get to know me, sin is still there. But this is the direction my heart faces. Albeit imperfectly some days, most days, every day. This is the thing that matters the most to me. That Jesus Christ is first and foremost in our lives. Think of it this way. Uh, he is, we recognize that, that we are first and foremost to seek the need of Jesus. And we're first and foremost to receive the need from Jesus. And now we are first and foremost to turn and tell the world that Jesus Christ is first and foremost. Listen, church, this world is dark. Getting darker, it seems. But the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ is the only light that can overcome the darkness of this world and whatever's going on right now in you. So we hold our eyes on nothing less. We settle for nothing less. We herald the hope that is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. Okay, I gotta wrap up. What's the application for today? Well, ultimately the application is please love Jesus more. But that's not uh, enough. Let's get some handles on this. Let me give you the first thing. It's remembrance. You gotta remember. You've got to remember, you've got to sit on the front porch of your brain and think back to who you were and what God has done for you and think back on all that Jesus is. And remembrance is going to leave you right into thanksgiving next. Have thankfulness. Jesus, thank you for you, for your grace, for your mercy in my life, your forgiveness in my life. But then thirdly, there's a part of diligence at work here. Remembrance, thankfulness, and diligence. As you ask the question, Jesus, what is there in my life? That is first and foremost, that isn't you. I've been traveling a lot. That's not me. I don't travel. I don't fly. But I've been doing it a lot, almost enough. I, uh, and some of you travel a ton. Uh, I'm sure, because I've done it, you start to memorize the boarding routine of an airport, right? You're sitting in your terminal. You're just waiting at the gate. And then they start calling out. Okay, at this point, we'd like to uh, invite those passengers needing extra assistance. And passengers with young children. So they go on first, right? Then we'd like to welcome our, our current and former military. Right on. On they go. Then we go to the first class people, right? And then you go to the, the, the double star plus people. And then you get to the platinum people. And then you get to the bronze people. And then you get down to the cabin one and cabin two. And then last but not least, the Canadians are allowed on. So... <laughs> You got this order of boarding, right? That's how it goes. What I'm asking you to do, if you can think about it this way, is what goes first in your life? Who's allowed on first? And as you think about your life, what's first that, isn't, that shouldn't be right now? You got something? That's between you and the Lord. Hey, church, I love your mission statement. At Bannockburn, everyone is welcome. Because nobody is perfect and anything is possible with God. I think you just saw from God's word today that Paul would really agree with that. Even me, says Paul. Even us. May the Lord do exceedingly 
abundantly, more than we can ask or imagine in your midst in the days ahead as you embrace this truth for your lives. Thank you again for having me here today. Let me pray. Once again, Lord, we thank you for you. We thank you for the grace and the mercy that has overflowed to us, that's available to us even now today in Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you for who you are. And Lord, we confess we have not always soaked in these truths. But we pray, Lord, that you would be leading us deeper and deeper in love with you. Lord, I pray for this church. Even as it looks ahead to next weekend, God, I pray that grace and mercy be upon them as they would fix their eyes upon you, Jesus. Be magnified in this place. Would the watching world look at Bannockburn and say, surely this place is different because surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Have your way. Be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's thank Craig for that incredible word this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to think about two things. One is, have you had that happen? Has the Lord encountered you in your heart? And have you opened your heart to receive him? If not, do it today. You can have all the grace that the Apostle Paul had given to you right now, right here. And as we sing this song, won't you invite him to do that? All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says it's so simple. It's trusting what Jesus has done already for you. It's right there in front of you. Open your heart and receive it. Let it change you the way it changed Paul, Craig, myself, and everyone else in this room. Um, you can receive that today. Amen? So do that. And secondly, do you know someone who needs to have that happen in their life? Maybe even like a Paul, they are so obstinate to Christ in their life that you would think they are so far gone. Would you pray for them during this song? Would you just lift their name up before the Lord and his throne and ask God, do for them what you did for Paul, Lord, and even use me if, if I'm needing to be used. Will we do that right now? Will you stand with me all across the room? We're going to pray. We're going to sing this song. Let's just do some of that business with the Lord. Father, we give this time to you. We've heard your word. We are thankful for your word. And, Lord, we pray you'd speak to us, engage with us right now in this time of response. As we sing this song, lead us, guide us, make us what you want us to be. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen.